to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I've entitled this message Hope for the Hopeless I was about that far from just giving an altar call and just having church but I feel like i got to preach this message This message, somebody needs this we'll come back and have a little bit more church Acts chapter 27 I can't read I'm going to preach the whole chapter but I can't read all of it so I'm going to read verses 20 through 25 Acts 27 verse 20 now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days And no small tempest beat on us. Notice this. Very important. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. All hope was given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and have not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. But now I urge you to take heart For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Watch this. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Can the church say amen? Amen. You can be seated. Don't lose your shout on me, though. Acts 27 contains the story of Paul's voyage to Rome. Let me just explain. I'm going to teach you and I'm going to preach. Paul had been arrested by Roman soldiers in Jerusalem, although he was innocent of wrongdoing. He had been brought to trial before governors Felix and Festus, but was never found not guilty. They just put it off. They wanted to keep him in prison to pacify the Jews. When Paul realized after two years that he was getting nowhere with the present legal system, he did what any Roman citizen could do. He made an appeal to Caesar, who happened to be Nero. And so they checked and the governor said, all right, to Caesar you will go. And so this is the story of Paul going to the most powerful man in the world in Rome to appeal so that he would not have to go to prison. And Accompanied by Luke and Aristarchus and under the kind supervision of a Roman centurion named Julius, uh, Paul set sail on a ship in the Mediterranean Sea. Now this passage is descriptive. It tells us what happened to Paul, a narrative about a, a journey on a ship. But within the narrative, within the description, there are some things that I think can be prescriptions. It is obvious in the whole story that the hand of God is at work. And that's what I want us to see today, the, the things that are there that, that show us the hand of God and that what he did for Paul, he'll do for you. And so that's what I want to preach today. From the beginning, Luke makes it clear that they had no business making this trip. It was winter, which was a dangerous time to sail on the Mediterranean Sea, and Paul who was an experienced traveler, by the way, who had already been through three shipwrecks. 
this guy had the t-shirt. He knew how to be in a shipwreck. He said, don't do this. We need to winter here or, 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 or harbor here in the winter and then go in the spring. This is not the time to travel. But his advice was ignored and plans were made to get underway and it was a decision that would be a costly one. So when you find yourself in a hopeless situation, a bad situation, I just want to kind of back up here now and show you some things. Paul was about to find himself in a hopeless situation. Nobody knew it, but when you find yourself in a hopeless situation, sometimes you get yourself there. Sometimes you have nothing to do with it. Other people get you there. Sometimes it's a combination. And what, how, how does that happen? I just want to teach this real quick. There are five causes of things, and we actually see this in the story. So I just want to do a little teaching right here. Number one, we're impatient. We are impatient. It, it says in verse 9, now when much time had been spent, they thought they were losing time. H have you ever been tired of waiting and so you went ahead and made a decision you knew you shouldn't have and then you regretted it later I think we all have the second thing that can get you in a hopeless situation is you get wrong advice verse 11 says nevertheless the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul you'll get in trouble every time you ignore God and listen to the so-called experts Here's a third way that you can get in a bad situation is discomfort. Verse 12 says, the harbor was not suitable to winter in. And so they said, we got to get out of here because this is an uncomfortable place. And I know that a lot of us in here could tell you of times of where instead of enduring a little discomfort in our lives, we made choices for quick relief that ultimately cost us greatly. Another cause is the majority rule. Verse 12 says the majority advised to set sail. Let me just say this today, especially if you're younger, you will often find yourself in a mess when you do things because everybody else is doing it. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean it's the best thing to do. And then the fifth thing that I see here is favorable circumstances. Verse 13 says when the wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, they set sail. And some of us could tell stories about how we had this great opportunity or these ideal circumstances came along and, and we knew we shouldn't do this, but it was just a great opportunity. And, and so we bought something or got involved in something or invested in something or partnered with somebody and then, boy, we made the biggest mistake of our lives. So these are some of the reasons why sometimes we can find ourselves in a storm and even in a hopeless situation. Well, Paul and Luke and Aristarchus and the rest of the passengers set sail on this, on this boat, this ship, and the trip that began as a dream cruise turned into a nightmare. When they first launched the ship, everything was fine. The weather was great. Everything looked like it was going to be okay, that Paul didn't know what he was talking about. Let me just stop here and say to you, you're going to find that when the storm hits and you find yourself in a hopeless situation, it often hits you out of the blue. Everything's going good. Your marriage is good. Life is good. Your career is doing great. Your job's doing great. Your kids are doing great. Everything's, your health is fine. Everything's going good. That's what happens. Then suddenly things will change. 
And that's what happens here. The Bible says that everything's going good, smooth sailing. Suddenly, a northeaster, that's what they called it, a northeaster, Eurachlodon was the Greek word. This wind comes up and this massive storm hits them. And I did a lot of study on this. It's a cyclone-like, tempestuous, and cold wind that blows in the Mediterranean Sea. It's an old wind. I thought this was fascinating. This wind has been blowing for centuries. It still blows today. And all the, all the maritime captains, they know and understand that these things will happen. And it can last anywhere from 10 to 15 days and can approach hurricane force winds. There have been many ships that have been battered and, and shipwrecked in the islands that are in the Mediterranean Sea because of this massive force of this storm. And so here's what I learned. One certainty in life is that life is uncertain. One certainty in life is that life is uncertain. Everything's going good. One minute everything's smooth sailing. The next minute you can find yourself in the worst storm of your life. Happened to a lady in our church this week. Lady in our church that great woman, great saint of God, and everything was going good, and career and family, and just going right along. And the phone rang, and she got a call that her mother had been in a horrific, horrific automobile accident. And they jumped in the car, and they raced to Charleston, and went down there hoping that the hospital, they could save her, and they couldn't. And her mom passed away, and she's having to bury her mother right here two weeks before Christmas. I don't tell that to be morbid or to depress you, but just to tell you that's how quick the storms can hit. That's how quick you can find yourself in a hopeless situation. And that ship was caught in that storm for 11 days. 11 days. And Luke describes in detail what they experienced. And I want you to listen to this. It, it says that things got out of control. That the wind was blowing so strong they couldn't control the ship anymore. So the ship was driven by the wind in whatever direction the wind blew it. And then the crew, fearful that the, the, the ship would be torn apart, actually took cables and wrapped it around the ship, undergird the ship to try to hold it together. Then everybody on board was overcome with incredibly deep fear. And then they were forced to lighten the ship by throwing over the cargo and the tackle so they wouldn't sink. And then finally, Luke says they did not see the sun for days. They didn't see the moon, the stars for days. I think it was like a week and a half. They didn't see any light, just the raging wind and storm, night and day, night and day. Now, the reason I told you all that is because when I read that, it just leaped off the page at me. What, what I see here is a real comparison between what Paul and his companions went through and what you will go through when you find yourself in a hopeless situation. Okay, let me just go back through the list. When you start getting in a hopeless situation, you'll feel like you're losing control. You, you, you feel like external forces are pushing you in a direction you don't want to go. And then you try to hold it together. And you just don't, you don't feel like you can hold it together. You feel like that you're barely making it. And you're afraid of what may happen. Fear and hopelessness work together. And you'll be afraid of the future, and you'll be afraid of tragedy, and you'll be afraid of losing everything. And then finally, just like them, you're in the dark. Not literally. They were physically in the dark. But you're in the dark in the sense that 
you can't see a way out. When you're, when you're hopeless, you can't see a way out. You can't find an answer. It's, it's like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I've exhausted all resources. It's a terrible place to be. And verse 20 sums up the nightmare that Paul and his companions found themselves in. And I stressed it when I read the text. I'm going to read it again. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. When you reach that place of hopelessness, we're not going to be saved. Nobody is coming to help us. Nobody is going to find us. We're all going to drown and be at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. It's a horrible place to be. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever been there? Have you ever got to the place where you've given up hope? Where, where, where like them, you said, nobody's going to save me. Nobody's going to change my situation. Nobody's going to fix this for me. I'm stuck. This is the end. It's a horrible place to be, and it's a dangerous place to be when you reach that place of hopelessness where you're convinced that no one can help you, that failure and disaster and loss are inevitable. Let me tell you one of the reasons, among many, why it's dangerous is because the devil will show up, and he'll, he, at your weakest moment, your hopelessness, that's when he'll start whispering in your ear. And he'll attack you. That's when your faith is critical because your faith could be shipwrecked. So it's a dangerous place. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. That's, that's the worst of it. Now I want to preach. Just, listen to me now, just as suddenly as the storm invaded the nice situation they were in, just as suddenly Jesus invaded the storm. Suddenly, Jesus showed up. And I want you to know today, if you're in a hopeless situation and you think nobody's coming to save me, you left out somebody. And his name is Jesus. And he will show up when you need him to save you. And, and the Bible says that an angel appeared to Paul in the night with a message of hope. There was a divine messenger with a divine message. And I want to preach that divine message. And the first thing the angel said to Paul was, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I told you, fear and hopelessness go hand in hand. It is a powerful force that will just take the very life out of you. But do not be afraid are some of God's favorite words to speak to people who find themselves in a crisis. Think about Moses. Moses is at the Red Sea. There, is, there, are, there are miles upon miles of barren wilderness to his right and to his left. Pharaoh's army is bearing down on them to defeat them and put them back into slavery. The Red Sea is in front of them, which is uncrossable, and, and people are panicking, and Moses is in charge, and he's praying to God, and God gives him a word and speaks and says, Moses, do not be afraid. I know that everything around you says you ought to be shaking in your boots, but don't be afraid. I'm here. I've got this. Stretch forth your rod. And God opened up and parted the waters of the Red Sea so that the children of Israel could go through. Watch this. And where, where, where there was something that terrified them and there was hopelessness, in one split second, God gave them hope. Just like that, Joshua 
has now the, the, the responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land after Moses dies. This is a heavy responsibility. He's a warrior, but boy, he was always Moses' right-hand man. I mean, he was there with Moses through everything that happened, but now the weight of leadership is on his shoulders, and he gets into the promised land, and the first city that they have to attack and the people they have to conquer is the city of Jericho, and in in an impenetrable city, uh, an architectural wonder. You ought to study it. It's amazing what they built. I mean, it would have taken months long, a months long siege to to have de finally defeated that city. And and Joshua is over there by himself. Strategizing, trying to figure out what to do when God shows up, and I think I think Joshua, even though he was a warrior, was a little bit afraid. I, th I think he was thinking, "I don't know what to do here. I, this this is not going to bode well. There, if we get close to that city, I'm going to lose a lot of my people." And, and all of a sudden, God shows up and says, "Joshua, listen to me. I know you've been over there writing up plans, battle plans, but just wad them up and throw them in the trash because I've got a plan for you. Do it my way and watch what happens. But the very first thing he said to him was, do not be afraid. Be of good courage. Don't be afraid. And, and if you don't know the story, they went over, the whole army went out and marched around the walls of Jericho one time for six days. And on the seventh day, they marched seven times around the city. And then they gave this great shout. And when they did, God took his hand and he mashed because we're southern, we say mashed. He mashed the walls of the city down flat to the ground. They didn't fall this way. Archaeologists have found the walls went down into the earth. So that every man went straight up. If the walls felt this way, they were so thick you couldn't walk in. You couldn't go in because the walls were so thick on top. If the walls felt th fell this way, it, it, the Bible story wouldn't be true. But archaeologists have found that there is a part of the Jericho walls that have been rebuilt, rebuilt. They found a section where the walls were pressed down into the earth. God just smashed it flat with the ground and they were able to run in and defeat their enemy. Listen, just like that, they went from fear and hopelessness to hope because God did what he did. You know, this is Christmas. Shepherds on a hillside, the lowest of the low in society. No hope for them. They're not going to move up in the societal ladder. In the socioeconomic structure of the day, they were the forgotten. But they're out there doing their thing, keeping the sheep by night, when suddenly the heavens open up. And an angel appears and says what? Fear not. Don't be afraid. See, it's the first thing you have to do. You have to deal with the fear. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, what shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city. And I love this. He said unto you. Unto you, down here that are hopeless and feel like there's nowhere for you to go in life and you're never going to get anywhere and you're stuck where you are. He said, oh no, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I mean, they, people thought so low of them. I think they wondered if even a shepherd could be saved and they may have bought into that. You know, I've met people that they live so bad and they're so wicked and if you try to talk to them, they've got it ingrained in their mind that they're a bad person and they're going to be a bad person the day they die. That they're either going to die and get shot or they're going to spend the rest of their life in jail. See, the devil's lied to him, and that's what happened. These shepherds felt so low, but when Jesus shows up, he says, you need to stop being afraid of the future and afraid of what you could be if you'll just let Jesus, Jesus has come into a world that's hopeless, and he's come to bring hope and life. And that night the baby was born, bam, just like that, hope came into the world. You See, what I'm trying to tell you is fear has to go. 
you got to deal with the fear. And you know what? You can, be, you can be in a bad situation and be afraid, but you don't have to be fearful. Because courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is, is action in the face of fear. Heroes don't operate without fear. As a matter of fact, there's only one man I know that has no fear, and he goes to this church. And because of cancer, they had to take out his adrenaline glands. So he has no adrenaline rush. If he sees a snake, you know how we get, he, had, he just stands there. There's no adrenaline in his body. He just stands there. He, he reached down and picked it up. There's no fear for him. Whatsoever. He's the only guy I know that has no fear. The rest of us have adrenaline glands. And we live in fear. And we get scared. But the hero, it's not that he doesn't have fear. He just overcomes his fear and says something needs to be done. And I'm going to do it. And, and so what I'm trying to tell you is God will enable you where the faith will be stronger than the fear. You know, if you tell me don't be afraid and something's threatening me and you're not helping me, I'm really going to look at you like you need to get away from me and leave me alone. But if you say don't be afraid and you've got what it takes to remove the threat, I'm going to love you to death. Listen, I'm just here to tell you this morning, I don't know what you're going through, but you've got a hero, and his name is Jesus, and he's here. And he can tell you don't be afraid. When God tells you don't be afraid, you need to start rejoicing and get excited and think, okay, something's about to change in my circumstance. My hero has showed up. The second thing he said was you have a future. You have a future. The angel said, Paul, God's plan is for you to go to Rome and stand before Nero and actually preach the gospel. And Paul couldn't do that if he was at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea at Davy Jones' locker, could he? So he was not going to, that ship was not going to go under because God had a plan for Paul. And I want to tell you this morning that the devil would like you to believe that it's over. The devil would like you to believe that there is no hope for you and that it is, he, God's finished with you and you're never going to accomplish anything anymore. But I came to tell you it's not over until God says it's over. And I do believe that God has a plan for your life. I believe that with all my heart. And, and, and I believe that God's not finished with you yet. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've told this story before, but some of you may not know, but a number of years ago when we first planted this church, we've been here 22 years, Lee and I planted this church. We came here, our kids were 7 and 2. Isn't that crazy? And, and our boys were 7 and 2. And, uh, and, and we came here, we planted this church well, I'd never planted a church. I'd never bought property. I'd never built a building. This, this structure we're in cost a million dollars. My first building program was a million dollars. And we're going through all that. And I, 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 and I wasn't as good a leader then as I am now. I was ignorant. And so I, didn't, I did a lot of things wrong. And it took its toll on me. I started having panic attacks, anxiety. I'd get in the pulpit two Sundays in a row. I got up to preach. As soon as I read my text, I had a full-blown panic attack and walked off the stage. My congregation going, what? what's going on with our pastor? Scott Taylor was driving me home. I remember one day I said, get me home. I said, I can't do this. Get me home. And I remember one particular day I was so low. I was starting to feel helpless because I couldn't get better. Nobody, knew, nobody really knew things about anxiety back then. 
and nobody could figure out what was going on, and I was just, there were all kinds of other things that were happening, and I remember one particular day, I was in our bedroom, Leah wasn't there, the kids weren't there, and I was so low, I was not in the fetal position, but I was almost in the fetal position, I was laying in the floor, I was weeping uncontrollably, I, I felt like I had reached the end, I felt like there was no hope, I couldn't function anymore, I couldn't even make a decision anymore, I didn't want to hear the phone ring anymore, I mean, I had just hit the wall, and I remember distinctively, I remember it as if it was yesterday, the voice of Satan in my ear at my weakest moment when I felt hopeless, and this is what he said to me, uh-huh, yeah, you preach vision, you came over here and you moved into my territory and started this church, and you think you're going to preach relationship instead of religion, and you're going to come against me, but look at you now, you ain't nothing but a pitiful mess, look at you, you can't even function, I'm going to, and this is what he said to me, I'm going to destroy you, I'm going to totally destroy you, and after I've destroyed you, I'm going to totally destroy that church and there won't be a high praises anymore that's what was going on as I was I, I got it I called Leah I said I'm going to Myrtle Beach it was January I said I'm getting out of town I don't want to be here anymore if you want to come fine. if you're not here in 15 minutes I'm leaving she rushed home we got in the car I cried all the way to Myrtle Beach I spent three days in a motel room crying for three days couldn't stop cried all the way back and I felt like that I was at the at my wits end. Listen, I'm telling you, I know what it's like when you hit the bottom. I know what it's like when it feels hopeless. It's, I know what it's like when no doctor can help you and the medicine's not working and nobody can figure out what's wrong with you. And I was in the hospital and they're running the light up and down trying to figure out what's going on in me. And a, and a psychologist, I mean, a, a gastro doctor looks at me and says, Pastor, there's nothing wrong with you physically. Your problem's up here. And I'm thinking, yeah, tell me something I don't know. I've been there. And I know how the devil will do. But let me tell you, you say, well, Pastor, what got you through it? What got me through it was the strength and the power of God, my family. That's what got me through and the calling of God on my life. And I remember I was coming home and I called, my dad called me, he's checking on me and he said, son, how are you? And I was a pitiful mess. I was a blubbering, grown moan, blubbering mess. I said, dad, I'm in a mess. And my dad began to share with me how he had had anxiety. He never told me. And he said, your grandfather had. He said, son, I think some of this is genetic. It started making sense for me. And my veteran, seasoned, godly preacher dad said, son, you got to get back in that pulpit next Sunday. I said, dad, I can't get back in that pulpit. I can't. I said, every time I get up, I'm having panic attacks. He said, son, if you're not in there but five minutes, you got to get up and get back in that pulpit. And I, and, and I remember I prayed and I saw God that next Sunday. Woody, I don't know if you remember that, but I got in that pulpit. I preached 10 minutes. I got to 10 minutes, and I started feeling one coming on. I said, would you all stand, please? But you know what my dad said to me? He said, son, you licked it. He said, it may have just been 10 minutes, but you beat it. You know why I was able to fight my way through? Because of God's power, my family, and because I knew God wasn't finished with me yet. And I just came here to tell you, don't you buy into the lie of the devil that it's all over. God isn't finished with you yet. What you think is the end of the road, I know it's a cliche, but I'm going to preach it. What you think is the end of the road is just a bend in the road. Here's the third thing he said, what you have that matters most to God will be saved. Paul told him, said, everybody that's on board this ship is going to be saved, but he said the ship is going to go down, but the passengers and the crew will survive. Why? Because people matter to God. They lost the cargo, they lost the ship, but God saved the people. 
And I didn't come here today to mislead you into thinking that if you're in a bad situation, a hopeless situation, that you won't suffer loss. I mean, I'd love to tell you that God healed me of panic attacks, and I've never had another one. wouldn't be true. I've, I've, ever since then, since I planted this church, the price I paid, one of them, for planting this church is that I have anxiety attacks. I'm uh, 54. I still have to, I have to deal with it and battle it. Okay? It's, it, it, I'd love to tell you that God's just going to fix everything, and he might. Sometimes he does because he's God and he can do anything. But I'm not going to mislead you to think that you may be in a hopeless situation and there's not some loss. Money will take flings and wings and fly away, the Bible says. Business ventures will fail, okay? Investments will turn out to be bad and you'll lose all of your money. Material things get broken and they get stolen. I'm still mad because somebody stole my golf clubs out of my truck one day. I'm still mad about it. I had to buy a whole new set. You think, well, Pastor, you got a whole new set. Yeah, and it's expensive, but I'm still mad somebody stole because I don't like some, I don't like a thief. Okay? I worked hard for that. Go buy your own set of golf clubs, but they stole mine. I hope they can't ever shoot over 150, under 150. Of course, they probably sold them and got money, drug money. God saves people. He'll save you. He'll save the people that matter most in your life. That's, that's what really matters. Yeah, I, I was thinking, I didn't preach this in first service. I need to hurry, but I, I've, I've seen pe- situations, I've known people that have been in situations where a, a teenager, young adult, wrecked a car, and the mama will show up, and she gets all bent out of shape and yells at the teenager who's got scratches and bruises and is in shock. She's rolled the car three times, car's totaled, and the mama's yelling at her about the car. I mean, it's had... And, and, and I have had people, there, I have had stories of people who said, they, they've looked at him and said, hey, mama, you need to back down. You can replace the car. Your daughter is fine. You can't replace your daughter. You know, sometimes. But, but I just want you to know today, when things go bad in your life, God ain't going to weep over your business. God ain't going to weep over what you lost. God's not going to weep on how much money that you, you lose. That's not what God cares about you. Those things can be replaced, but God cares about you. And so Paul stands up and he gets this divine message. I love this. He makes this declarative statement to everybody. I believe that what God has said is going to come to pass. I believe it just as God, just as it told me, I believe in God. That's faith. That's faith. Now, in the Bible, faith and hope are partners. Just like fear and hopelessness are partners, faith and hope are partners. I mean, it's peanut butter and jelly. Batman and Robin, right? Faith and hope. So let me explain this. Faith, what is faith? Faith is trust in God's promise, all right? Hope is trustful expectation of the fulfillment of God's promise. So faith says, I believe what God said. Hope says, I believe that God's going to do what he said. It will happen. Worldly faith says, I hope it'll happen, but there's no basis. But godly hope says, oh, I know it will happen because God said it, God promised it, and God doesn't lie. Someone said, I love this, that hope is a combination of trust in the faithfulness of God and, I love this, being a Pentecostal, the perfectly timed invasion of the Holy Spirit into your situation. Y'all like that? That's good, isn't it? It, it, is, it is trusting in God's faithfulness and 
that the Holy Spirit of God is going to invade my situation at just the right time and change everything. When you find yourself feeling hopeless, so let me tell you what to do. You got to get in the Word. Get off of Facebook. Stop asking everybody else what to do. Sometimes you got to get counsel. Sometimes you got to get advice. But eventually, some point, you got to get in the Word. And you find a promise that fits your situation. And you get a hold of that promise and you say, God, this is what you said. And you say, I, like Paul, you say, God, I choose to believe that what you said is not only true, but it's true for me. And when you do that, okay, then what will come is hope. Because once you get the word from the Lord, then the hope comes. That's what happened with Paul. He got a word from the Lord, and then hope swelled up in him, and then it swelled up in everybody on the ship, okay? You got to trust God, and then you got to wait on God to come through, knowing, knowing that he has people to deploy to your aid, and he has the power to change your circumstances, knowing that he will act in time, and he will act on time. That's what you have to do. You just have to say, I trust God. And then I love what Paul said to the rest of the passengers in the midst of the storm. Take heart. Take heart. Now, that's not something that I say very uh, daily. Hello, brother. Take heart. I just don't. Maybe there are people that do say, take heart. Uh, but I don't. But I looked up like various translations, and what I would say that would match that is cheer up. Cheer up. Now, if somebody tells you to cheer up, but they're just telling you to cheer up, and you're in the worst situation in your life, they might want to back off because you might want to punch them. Right? Nobody appreciates somebody telling you to cheer up when you're going through the worst time of your life, okay? But if God tells you to cheer up, or if God's man tells you to cheer up because he got a word from the Lord, then it's time to change your disposition. What I want to tell you this morning is that you can people who are hopeless are depressed. They, they're low. They have no joy, no peace, no laughter. They're just, oh, they're just existing. They feel horrible. But when God shows up and speaks a word. You've got his, we need, listen, hope will come and faith will come when we stop treating the Bible as a book and instead seeing it as the word of the Lord. The word of, this is the word of the Lord. And when you see it as the word of the Lord, that faith will rise and then hope will couple with it. And then you can begin to, and then well, here's what happens. I'm telling you all, listen to me. When you get a word from the Lord and you choose to believe it and the light of hope, the beam of hope shines into your soul, it will change your disposition. You'll get a smile on your face. Peace will come over you. Your external circumstances aren't any better. But something will change within where you will say, it's going to be all right. 
I don't know how many times I've been with people who've been in very bad situations. I'd say, how you doing? Pastor, I've got a peace about it. I'd say, really? Yep, i got a peace about it. And this is what they told me. I've been praying. I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. And i got a peace about this. Everything's going to be all right. And I'm thinking, normal people don't do that. Normal, average people, maybe I should say ungodly, sinful people who don't have, they don't do that. But when you're a child of God and you belong to the king, once the king gives you a word, nobody can stop it. There's nobody higher than the king. And once the king says it, then you can say, hallelujah. You can come to church and where last Sunday you couldn't even lift your hand, you lift your head, didn't want to be there this Sunday you come to church, nothing's changed, but you can just sing and shout and pray and cry and just lift up the Lord because you've got a word from the Lord and you've got hope and everything's going to be all right. The storm continued to rage. Things got worse before they got better. And I want to warn you, after you've laid hold of God's word and exercised faith and held on to hope, you have to be patient and wait on the Lord uh, because sometimes... Things will get worse before they'll get better. Been there, done that. And it'll try your faith. And the devil will show up again and see God's not answering your prayers. God's not working in your life. But you just have to keep on trusting and keep on believing and, and keep on saying, God, I, I know that you're able. And be patient. How many of y'all, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength? And, and so don't shipwreck your faith. Matter of fact, the Bible says that hope, I love this because it fits this story, hope is an anchor to the, for the soul. Isn't that great? An anchor keeps the ship from being driven everywhere. Once the anchor goes down, the ship is set. I've been fishing enough times, striper and catfishing, where we anchor down, and, and we put an anchor out the front and an anchor out the back, and we tie that thing tight, and then we're set. It doesn't matter if there are waves or wind because the anchor keeps us secure. Listen to me. God is the one that you're anchored to. And hope will keep you anchored to where the circumstances that have been pushing you every way don't push you around anymore. Because you say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, but now I'm now I got God moving in. And God's going to change everything. We had a family this week. It may have been last week, but one of the founding fathers of this church. We got five families that are just outside of the launch team that came over here from Praise Cathedral. There are five Andersonians, five families. These are very special people to me. One of them, their son, who's about three years older than me, he got COVID. He's in the hospital. He's been fighting for his life. Raymond called me and, and said, Pastor, please pray. He said, get everybody praying. He said, we need help. He said, Jeff needs help. And I started praying. I've been praying for him every day. They've been praying. Everybody that we've told has been praying and crying out to the Lord. And I called Raymond yesterday. And I said, Raymond, what's happening with Jeff? Give me an update. He said, Pastor, they had to intubate him. It's been bad. They gave him plasma. Nothing's worked. He said, but there's been a turnaround. And he said, they got him down to 50%. And they're hoping to take him off. And, and they're going to hopefully move him. They're hoping to move him out of ICU. 
and he said, he doesn't have a fever anymore. It's gone. And he said, things are starting to turn. He said, but he's not out of the woods yet. He said, don't stop praying. I said, well, I'm not going to stop praying. But he said, it's, it's, it's just like something's happened. And I said, yeah, I know what's happened. There have been the people of God that got a word from the Lord that said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. And Jesus sent forth his word and healed them. And Jesus healed all manner of sickness and disease. And I said, we got a word from the Lord and we got faith and we've held on to hope. And God has come through. I had to do a wedding last night. It was an outdoor wedding. It was at the back in the backyard of one of the uh, of the families in the church. The, the, young, the ladies, mom and dad, goes here, so they did an outdoor wedding. It was beautiful, Christmas theme. It was just lovely. And there was a couple there that I just did their wedding back in April. They were there. Daniel and and Daniel and his wife used to go to church here. I was Daniel's pastor. He called me quite a few months ago. Just distraught, upset, crying. I said, Daniel, what's wrong? He said, they, they, they think my dad may have C. diff. His dad's in the hospital. He's in bad shape. His digestive system. He said, it's just bad. He was telling me the details. And, and, and because of what Lee had been through, I was telling him about C. diff. And they were just trying to figure it out. And he's like, what do I do? I don't even know what this is. And, you know, he was trying to get a hold of it. And so, and so they, they, they got him in the hospital. They did, they, they did an x-ray. They found out he had two rips in his intestines. I mean, It was serious. And so they found out later it was COVID. It was COVID-related. And so they were going to do surgery. They were going to take him in and do a surgery and go in and repair it. And the, and the doctor, just before, he said, let's take one more x-ray. Uh, he said, I feel like we need to take one more x-ray. And they did another exam. And when they did, y'all get ready now. When they did, they looked. And this is from one day to the next, by the way. One day to the next. Are you hearing me? One day, he's got two rips to the next. They take the x-rays. They look, whatever test they did, they look. Both rips were healed up, and it looked like somebody had sewn them together in one day. God, oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Y'all ain't hearing me. God, God gave him a healing miracle, and they didn't have to do the surgery, and he's been fine. What I'm telling you is you had a young man and his family who said it's, it looks hopeless, it looks bad, but they got a word from the Lord and knew what God could do. Come on, somebody. And they prayed and they got people praying and they, and, and they had faith and God gave them hope that God was going to come through and God did come through for them. I'm going to tell you a story a lot of you don't know. When I was having pain, I felt pressed to do this. We're running out of time. But when I was... When I, was, when I was having panic attacks, I don't know what happened to my throat. I had my throat stretched. They ran, but I had this knot in my throat that would not go away. Every time I swallowed, I had this knot in my throat. It was aggravated. It was irritating, and it just would not go away. And I prayed, and I prayed. We sought God, and, and, and I almost got to the point. I thought, is this, is this going to be this way for the rest of my life? But I read the word, and I knew God was a healer, and I started praying again. God, I'm trusting you to heal me. I'm believing you, and I began to just trust God and have hope. And I went to bed on a Saturday night. I had a dream that I was playing basketball and that somebody fell on the court and busted their head. And I went over there, and I was laying hands on them and praying for God to heal them. And while I was praying for God to heal them with a, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost, with a healing power of God in my prayer, my dream, going through my hands into somebody else. I, in my body, while I was asleep, the healing power of God hit me in my body, and I woke up, and my throat popped. I felt something pop in my throat, and, and I, it's the middle of the night, and I, and I woke me up, and I swallowed, and that, that place that was in my throat was gone. It was gone, and I swallowed, and I sat up, and I thought, I've had a healing. I've had a miracle. I woke Leah up. I said, Leah, wake up. She doesn't like to be wakened. 
She's back there getting ready to come see. And I said, she's, and I said, what's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. I said, I think I've just got a miracle. And I think she said something like, that's nice, honey. And she turned over and went back to sleep. But, but I, so, I, I, you know, I went back to sleep or whatever. And I got up that next morning. I woke back up again. I went, and I said, it's there. It's healed. I said, I can't believe this. And I went to church. And I was, you know how you, when God does something, you get nervous. You don't know whether to say anything about it or not. And I was like that. And uh, I finally thought, man, I can't hold this in. And I told my church what happened. And, man, we had a Holy Ghost shout, and everybody got excited. And, and I was just excited. And, and I said, God, him, and, and God gave me a miracle. Now, I'm going to teach you something. And about two days later, that thing started to come back. I could feel it tighten back up. But I had some old timers who taught me how this thing works. I'm going to teach you all, okay? Don't you tell somebody an old timer told you this, or I'll, come, I'll kick you. All right, I'm not an old-timer, but old-timers told me this. They said, Chris, and when God gives you a miracle of healing, the devil will try to put that thing back on you. You just have to speak to it. I said, what does that mean? You just talk to it. If you get a pain or something, God heals you. You say, okay, in the name of Jesus, you, don't you come back here. You're not allowed to come back here. God healed me. I said, that's what you do. They said, that's what you do. I said, okay. Well, the old-timers had taught me that. Well, now this thing was starting. I could feel it coming back on. I thought, I remember what the old-timers taught me. I said, all right. Throat, you listen to me. I had a healing touch from God in the middle of my sleep. I know what God did. You will not come back on me. You straighten out right now in the name of Jesus. You know what happened? Just like that, all that tension immediately went away. Never had another problem with it. Is anybody hearing me this morning? God, listen, I'm going to close with it. Stand with me. i got to finish this. They got the ship. Listen, what's the rest of the story? The ship wrecked. But guess what? All 276 passengers and crew made it to land. God kept his word. And Paul went on to preach at Rome. Listen to me this morning. You may be in a hopeless situation, but God wants to do something powerful in your life. God wants to. I was praying last night and this morning, and the Lord gave me something to preach. I know this service is going longer because we've shouted and had a big time, and I wouldn't trade anything for it. But somebody needs us. And the Lord spoke this to me. That when you are hopeless, sometimes what happens is you begin to think, God has abandoned me. Jesus has forsaken me. God doesn't care about me anymore. And that's really when you get in trouble, when you think God's no longer there. I want to say to you, the Lord wanted me to say to you, Jesus has not abandoned you. You are not alone, God. You are not forsaken. That's why we sang that song. I wanted to sing. Maybe that's why we sang it then, because I would have been singing it now. And we're going to sing it again. But you aren't, you aren't abandoned. And, and listen to me. As long as there is Jesus in your circumstance, there is always hope. As long as God's there, there's always hope. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.